Welcome to another episode of Capital Musings, the official podcast of the United Nations Capital Development Fund. I'm your host, David McHale. Today, I have a fantastic guest, a person who I acknowledge as both a, an excellent practitioner, but also a real thought leader in a, a critical field, which is municipal finance. And the reason that it's critical is because I think it's safe to say that if you are invested in the interests of achieving the sustainable development goals, then I think we would all be invested to understand the importance of municipal finance in those interests. So with me today is Jafar Machano. He is the manager of the Municipal Investment Program with the United Nations Capital Development Fund. We are so happy to have you here today. Thanks for joining. Thank you, David. Thank you. So let's just get started. When we talk about municipalities, one stat that UNCDF often references is that 30 of the 35 most rapidly growing cities are in LDCs, and and not just in primary cities that we think about, but often secondary cities and towns. And when we talk about the importance of municipalities, it seems that the two main drivers are one, urbanization, which I just referenced, but again, also the SDGs, having a municipal focus in order to achieve the sustainable development goals. But that clearly requires capital. And from the work that we've done together and from my time at UNCDF, we've discussed the critical challenges that municipalities in LDCs face when it comes to accessing capital. And it seems to be an ecosystem challenge. So I'd love for you to talk about the challenges that municipalities face in terms of accessing international capital. Just generally, what are those challenges? And talk about why it is so important to change that ecosystem. Thank you, David. I agree with you. And I think first I should acknowledge thanks for the opportunity to be part of your speaker series and the podcast. Quite interesting podcast indeed. So I think the way to look at it is to define it in a form of a classic economic format. And that's where we like to talk about market failures. And market failures is an area where markets normally don't have an ability to supply capital at a level where there's a genuine demand of capital. This is how to look at it. So I like to think municipalities in developing countries in general, there is pockets of difference, but in general, they they have a market failure in terms of accessing finance. And indeed, the challenges are many. Maybe we focus at like three or four level. The major one is countries are able to access capital through their sovereign status. And the sovereign status allows a particular country, whether it is Senegal or Indonesia or any other country in the developing world, they can borrow based on their credit status and whether they have a limit within the international monetary systems and what are they using those funds for. And we also know companies, international companies, can borrow in any capital market. Today, whether it's Amazon or GE or Alibaba, they can issue debt or equities either in U.S. capital markets or European ones or Asia in the developed markets. But cities cannot because majority of the developing world, cities or subnational, what we call, 
are under the limit of the national government. Mm -hmm. While in a country like the United States, in majority of the developed economy, cities have their own limits because they are just like any other economic entity that can borrow, sued, be sued, and implement its projects. So just to clarify, what you're saying is that cities in developed nations can access credit markets in largely in the way that companies can, but cities in developing nations do not have that, yes, run into that challenge. Exactly. So there's history to that also because there was an over-indebtedness and then there was a restructuring and then there, there's, there's programs that IMF, World Bank and other uh, donors, the Paris agreements, that had put uh, sort of limit restrictions on how developing countries can borrow. Now, the problem of that is the pace of need of capital, which you have described, whether it's through urbanization or it's through to combat climate change uh, risks, whether it's or normal growth, those don't stop. They grow according to time and the risks that they're there. Sure. So there's always this gap between the supply of capital and the demand of capital. So that's one. Two, a lot of cities and other municipalities don't have a vibrant capital market within the country. This is a general economic issue of developing nations. They tend to have less savings within the country through the pools of insurance and pension and others compared to the need of capital for companies and governments and normally economic growth. Mm -hmm. So that compounds on the quality of capital pools they can get. This is why ability for international capital to come in because certain countries always have more savings, especially developed nations, while others are looking for capital. And then I'll say the third one is, of course, capacity. Sure. A lot of these municipalities don't have the capacity of actually designing projects and putting them in a level and a quality of projects that can access capital market easier. So when you combine the three, this is what we like to say it's an ecosystem. It's like a capacity issue. It's a market failure in terms of supply and demand of capital. And also it's a natural uh, savings deficits within the developing economy. Mm -hmm. So the challenge has to be tackled in a systemic kind of approach as opposed to specific approaches. The specific approaches work. And they work well. A lot of DFIs have specific way of doing this. But it's not a systemic approach on how to go about to provide capital in a more cordial manner sure. so that we don't create an overhang and a debt sustainability issue to the, to the projects that are needed. And I think this is the big challenge or the vision, as you're saying. So at a top line level, absent a change in the ecosystem, there's basically going to be a barrier that's going to prevent cities in LDCs from accessing the capital they will need to take on the capital-intensive projects that ultimately the world would want them to take on, particularly when it comes to climate adaptation, urbanization, ensuring sustainable development. These are goals that the world has become aligned on, but essentially the global financial ecosystem precludes LDCs from accessing the capital to achieve those interests. Exactly. And another way of looking at it is... Between 80s and 90s, there's a lot of political work 
that has been done on decentralization. Mm. So now there's quite a bit of acceptance that a lot of these projects that we call SDG projects, whether it's water, uh, access to energy, issues of climate, they are actually local government projects. And therefore, there's a slight autonomy within the political sphere. The mayors are elected and there's a council, there is a representation. So people have an aspiration that their local leaders are the ones who should have the responsibility to provide service to them. Sure. However, the financial side of it has not caught up to that political side. And hence, this issue that you've just described, that if you look at it from the SDG angle, yes, the subnationals are the one who has the responsibility to do a lot of these issues, but not the capacity and the financial access to be able to do it. So I'll give you the best of the examples. Please. A certain city wants to do a mass transit system. New York or London or L.A. will just issue a bond based on what um, its budgets and the constituents have voted it for. But in a lot of developing world, actually, it's the central government that will go to either Asian Development Bank or African Development Bank and borrow on behalf of the central government and then pass the funds down to the particular city for development. So then you find yourself, and when you look at it from the systematic approach, if all borrowing into the country from, for public expenditure on infrastructure side will go through Ministry of Finance, then the funnel, it becomes like, you know, it's a big request with a very narrow bottleneck. Mm -hmm. Whether it's healthcare, whether it's education, whether it's infrastructure and and on and on and foreign affairs and embassies and military. I mean, they all come through the same channel. And then you create this principle and urgent issue, right? Because then the central government, which is under the Ministry of Finance, they always have their own priorities, mm -hmm. right? They have priorities that nobody else has because it's the central government, military, foreign affairs, sure. and so on and so forth. So those compete with your normal growth of cities and SDGs and livelihood that service is needed every day. Sure. And this is where then local politics comes in and you see very conscious decisions are made. And these are very practical people and they are operating under certain debt limits and they have to choose and decide which project they do now and which project they do two, three years from now. Right. And hence we keep on compounding on the bottleneck of service delivery to the communities. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. And I think that dovetails nicely into specifically the municipal investment program that you oversee and manage. So you've laid out, and thank you for that, a very comprehensive assessment of these challenges. So talk about the program. Talk about the vision behind it and what you look to do on the ground to basically correct these challenges? So maybe two things. What's the program and then the vision around how we are looking to implement? So the program, it's designed to tackle what I've just explained. So we have three pillars within the program. The first one is technical assistance, which we aim to provide cities with capacity and the technical know-how that is needed. We 
sort of restrain that just to finance because the program is big and there's many programs in many other developing institutions. Others are better in the political side. Others are better on the systems as in technology and everything. We focus mostly on the technical capacity of how investment infrastructure projects on the technical side. So that's one of the pillars of the program. The second one is to support cities to access finance for the projects which qualify. So here we talk about using our normal innovative platform within UNCDF investment programs with guarantees and subsidized loans and to bring in countries which have much bigger pockets to support us for specific program. For example, the water program we've issued with Switzerland on Blue Peace and, and few others. So that's the second pillar. The third pillar is actually ability to engage on a platform so that people get to understand these challenges, both locally and international. And it's the communication platform that now we are designing. This is a bit of a new one. And to be able to bring awareness to this, because so far, especially on the international level, the units that talk to each other are sovereign states. And to a little bit give an understanding that the unit of implementation from the SDG angle is actually cities and municipalities and different local governments. So we want to showcase some of that. So these are the three pillars that we built the program on. In terms of implementation, we partner with city networks. The first one we've done is, of course, UCLG is one of the biggest ones. We are talking to ICLE and FMDV and few others. And the idea there is why city networks is because we wanted to have a direct access to city local government officials who then can tell us what are their priorities because always priorities are many. And then we be able to look at it from that angle. We didn't want to look at it from, say, we have a port on climate financing or we have a port on combating oceans uh, for the cities which are on the coast. So we wanted to ask to the cities a very plain question. What is your priority now? And it's amazing. I mean, the priorities yeah, what are do you from, hear? Yeah, it's the priorities are coming from street lights to traffic management to there's a lot of transport issues and those are clearly because of the urbanization. There's a lot of education issues because a lot of developing countries are younger populations and we see also a lot of climate-based issues and the more and more the climate base is becoming bigger because they are starting to understand how climate change risks are impacting livelihood. Sure. So those are the three or four main buckets. Of course, there's the backlog on energy. But my thinking is energy always at some point will end because, I mean, developing countries, they hardly build energy access because they, everybody has been covered. It's, right. it's about now greening and removing from fossil fuel and to, to, to renewable, but in the developing countries, they're still talking about adding access, energy, access yeah. to energy. As so, a first order point. As a yeah. first order point. So these are what we are hearing, and we are starting a format that we will support cities on a specific projects that get access to capital. So before I get into additional questions, you mentioned three partners, UCLG, FMDV, and ICLE. Would you mind just spelling their names out just for the purpose of our listeners? Yeah, so UCLG is United Cities and Local Governments. Thank you. It's a platform 
platform, an association of local governments worldwide through regional chapters. And then FMDV is a smaller version of that. Mm -hmm. It's a network of cities, French Bays out of Paris, that looks more on supporting financing side. This is why we've partnered with them. And ICLI is a network of cities for the mayors which are interested in climate and energy issues. So it's more or less a network of cities through different sectorial thinking behind it. Thank you. I want to move on to now an important uh, project that you're overseeing, and that's the International Municipal Investment Fund called the IMF. And clearly this is a project that is looking to address the challenge of enabling access to international capital for cities in LDCs, but I believe in low-income countries as well. So first off, we'd love to hear about the IMF, but specifically, how do you envision the IMF or incentivizing investors to look to projects at the municipal level? How will the IMF unlock that investment capital that otherwise wouldn't be funneled to these projects? So thank you. It's actually a very good question, and it took us quite a while to plan and put uh, partners together. And you're right. The idea is to open capital in general, whether it's public or private, into these projects that we've been discussing. So we are structuring it in such a way so that it's managed by a third-party fund as a fund manager for who is a private fund manager and not managed under the UN emblem. And the reason is because we want it to operate at the commercial market level because at the end of the day, the aim is to unlock capital, to allow capital, because capital is there, it's not being unlocked, is to allow capital to flow to these kind of projects. So we have talked to quite a few uh, funders from development banks, pension funds within the developing and developed world, and they are very interested. And they always say they understand the need. The problem is how, based on the challenges we've described at the beginning. So to be clear, it's not because I think this is something that we talk about that I think a lot of people would presume that the question is why. And the question is not why there is interest. It's just how can we invest in a way exactly. that we could see return on investment. Exactly. Yeah. And being done systematically, systematically. and not as one off. Yeah. Right. So we have uh, seen quite a bit of support from the investor side. And from the city side, we are working with this cities network. We are starting to test it now with our partner, UCLG, and they've been with us from the beginning. And the idea there is cities, we will provide this specific technical assistance to cities once they say what are their priorities, the example I gave earlier. And then we will walk with them from designing the project and making it bankable. And then to sit with the fund manager and see how we can get this financed mm-hmm. and what type of finance. A lot of infrastructure is a long-term one, 20, 25 years. How can it be done? So this is how we are structuring it. Mm-hmm. Now, why are we doing it this way? It's because part of the fund will be to support regulatory and policy changes that are needed that I had described earlier, the debt limits, the ecosystem changes, bringing in insurance partners, to be able to bring in credit rating systems so that they get to be 
a market slowly within each locality as we are operating. Sure. So when we do it this way, yes, it's going to take a little bit longer time. Yes, it's a little bit a harder and a more bigger project that we are taking. But I think it could be long-lasting because it creates systems on its way through. Sure. And that's the vision of it. I want to ask a kind of abstract question, which is, why haven't we seen in the past this kind of, unless we have, and please feel free to correct me, this really robust effort to funnel international capital to municipal projects? I guess to the extent that one can call it an oversight, why has there been this oversight in the past? I think maybe the time is right. Mm-hmm. I think there's two or three changes at an international level that have really made people think through this. Great. And the biggest one is SDGs, mm-hmm. right? Because for once, we have unpacked the development agenda into very specific 17 goals. And out of those goals, we said, okay, this is the goals, but under this goal, here is the sub-KPIs. And then out of those KPIs, we have even established indicators. So now when we discuss how will the Agenda 2030 and the SDG will be met, we can say SDG 6 in order to be met, or SDG 11, which is cities, in order to be met, we need to meet this and this and this criteria. And when you look at these criteria, it's very simple. These are municipal projects. Mm-hmm. And because these are municipal projects, then we say, how can we do this? Or who has done it better, Mm -hmm. right? And you look at the developed countries, and then we know how they were done, right? We look at the U.S. municipal market is three-point-something trillion dollars, and it's going to grow to 15 Mm -hmm. within the next 20, 30 years. We look at the Europe. We look at Japan. And to some extent, you look at China, which is still developing, but majority of infrastructure which is needed in order to bring efficiency and and service to people was done at the local level. So this has changed the discussion points of view. So people now understand that we need to figure this out. That's one. Two is traditionally this has been done through the Ministry of Finances, Mm -hmm. as I explained earlier. And then all of a sudden, ministers of finance are saying, look, but there got to be a better way of doing this because we are made to choose on something very, very hard to choose between two very competing important decisions because we got to remain within the limits. So slowly we are starting to see the need of the structure of the debt or if it's PPPs or the laws are being changed within different countries. There's an amazing amount of different legislation changes within the last five, ten years in different countries on how to allow and open up these markets. I have a follow-up question to that, but we're down to our last couple of questions, so I'll get to the follow-up in a moment. I want to change gears for a second, and I just want to ask you to share with us, I guess, the professional journey that ultimately brought you to UNCDF. (laughs) He he wasn't prepared for that that question. It's actually a very diverse journey. Thank you. Um, I I tend not to reflect that much on that side. um, (laughs) So I'm a finance professional, Mm -hmm. and my academic background is both in finance and accounting. That's my undergraduate, and then in economics in my graduate school. 
And I worked right after that in a central bank, mm-hmm. actually. And I still acknowledge majority of my training and the understanding base has come from there because the Federal Reserve System of the U.S., especially the New York branch, you get exposed to all the big banks worldwide, which they operate in the New York area. And I spent four or five years being positioned in different banks with different trading desks and risks and and also trading treasuries. And and after that, I joined an investment bank for a few years. And then after that, I moved to Africa, where originally I'm from. And I worked for development bank, for a country development bank, which that's where the challenge of local financing and infrastructure was really started to hit my head. And I was thinking we have to do something about it. And we started to restructure the bank to be able to do this. And we started doing a lot of municipal finance, railways, water, and and few others, industrial and, and stuff. So when I joined UNCDF, after that, actually, I did move to a commercial bank and looked at retail and corporate for two years, two and a half years. So when I joined uh, UNCDF, I bring that perspective from the central bank and investment bank and development banks and ability to understand financing from these different views. And this is how a lot of these programs and ideas are coming from. Fascinating. Thank you for that. So we're down to our last question, and it'll be a bit broad. As you know, we're approaching the last decade of the SDGs. And as some of you may know, uh, we just launched the second edition of our flagship publication, Blended Finance in the LDCs 2019, where through new data, we uncovered that only 6% of private finance mobilized by official development finance reached the LDCs. So clearly, and this speaks to what we were talking about in the beginning about just challenges with the ecosystem as it relates to municipalities, but obviously it it speaks to the broader problem of LDCs accessing capital. But also to your point, we talk about how capital, it's not that we're unlocking it. The capital is there. It's about accessing it. So my question is, now that we are approaching that last decade, what have you seen through your work that would make you optimistic that we can, in fact, really drive the change that's needed with respect to the ecosystem for municipalities or municipal finance. He's smiling as he's <laughs> Yes, yes. Because um, I want to start with a optimistic question and, and optimism. And I want to start by saying it's very little, <laughs> very small. <laughs> but I, I will say the biggest one is nowadays uh, – quite a bit of an understanding of this. Mm-hmm. So when we sit and say there's a need for local governments to access it all, at least it's no longer looked at it from the skeptic kind of view and or you will provide over debt and all of this stuff. There's an understanding and acceptance of this challenge. Mm-hmm. What makes me optimistic is two things. One is development banks have understood that there's limit to using sovereign entities as a unit of measure for development financing, Mm -hmm. meaning the ability for Ministry of Finance to borrow in order to solve a particular country's problem, there's a limit to that. Mm -hmm. And that understanding has started making a lot of development banks start to think 
of non-sovereign financing. So now, for example, IFC, which is the World Bank Group, within the last few years has been very, very active on a municipal finance, which we welcome. It's a really needed point because for a long time, the whole World Bank Group, you could only lend to the Ministry of Finance. African Development Bank is starting to think about this. I think they have a lot of new policy initiatives. It will take a few years, but they are on the right side with the current new administration. We had discussion with Asian Development Banks. They are also discussing this. The European Development Banks, EAB, KFW, they are on the same discussion. I think the French one has started, have created products directly for the developing countries, municipalities. So there is that new shift. Yeah. And then from the government side, the central governments have started to understand also they cannot be held ransom to the system that was designed post-1945 Bretton Woods that looks at development from the sovereign perspective while their people are actually waiting for development for no uh, problem of their own. So there's a lot of uh, new ideas of how legislation changes on to allow municipalities to access capital. So Ghana is doing that, South Africa, new constitution. Indonesia has gone through very good changes. And many more countries, Nepal, we are talking to Bangladesh right now. There's fantastic changes are going on on the policy and regulation side. The piece that is going to take a while is the financial incentive for new products to come in mm-hmm. to operationalize this space. Right. And I think this is where the idea of a fund, the idea of blue piece financing and all of that is they are technically showcases that will bring products to the market. Hopefully, the financial world will start seeing that it works. You cannot have a city as big as Nairobi with the size that it is that does not issue bonds for its infrastructure. I mean, development will definitely lag. You won't be able to unroll that kind of backlog of infrastructure of all these services that are needed without having a proper financing examples to do it. And that's true for a lot of major cities, which, you know, 7, 10 million people. If you add 1%, 2% on the tax base of those people, you can finance quite a bit sure. of what is needed and, and finance it properly. So I think that's, for me, the little optimism in these three areas we discussed. Thank you so much. This was a fantastic conversation. Jafar Machano, manager of the Municipal Investment Program with the United Nations Capital Development Fund. That is it for this podcast. Capital Musings is a production of the Partnerships Policy and Communications Unit of the United Nations Capital Development Fund. Special thanks to Victoria Garidi and Carlos Macias. Thanks very much, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.